ComC.com is your home for buying, selling, and flipping all the hottest trading cards. Their consignment marketplace is home to over 24 million cards across all sports, genres, and eras. With a ComC.com account, you can purchase cards from different sellers over time and ship them home together later, or immediately reprice them for sale on the ComC marketplace. To better serve the hobby, ComC recently made changes to streamline their services and improve turnaround. They even opened a new building. To learn more about the exciting changes being made at ComC, please visit blog.comc.com. You're listening to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute, a podcast where we discuss both the hobby and business sides of collecting. I'm your host, Mike Summer, and I want to help you buy, sell, and trade your way into a collection you'll love. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Wax Pack Hero Sports Card Minute. It's the end of April. I'm excited baseball season is underway, although my Cubs aren't doing super great yet. Hopefully, they'll be able to turn it around and outperform the expectations that many of us Cub fans have for them. But it's a great time of year. Summer is just around the corner, which is my favorite time of year. I am now fully vaccinated, which makes me feel a whole lot better about getting back out there and attending some upcoming card shows in the near future. Things are going well, and I am excited about that. Today, I've got a pretty interesting guest for you, and it's actually going to span two episodes. I interview Adam Gray. He is the 27 guy on Twitter, and he is the real 27 guy on Insta. He's the man behind the Basketball Card Podcast, and now is the founder of the recently launched Basketball Card Fanatic magazine. They are eight issues deep, and we talk a lot about getting that magazine off the ground as well as some other hobby content the conversation just kept on going so i figured let's just talk and we can split this into two episodes so we might as well get right into the first part of the conversation right after i tell you about underdog collectibles they're an online shop run by collectors for collectors and they break new product every tuesday thursday and sunday night you can also buy sealed wax on their website. You can join their Facebook group, the Underdogs. You can follow them on YouTube as well to watch the breaks unfold. I recommend checking them out at www.udogcollect.com and tell them Wax Pack Hero sent you. Adam, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. I'm grateful you'd have me. I want to start with your handle on Instagram, the real 27 guy. Where did that name come from? Uh, the 27 guy is something that I set up um, once upon a time because 27 was my lucky number. I think I first set it up on eBay. Um, and then I was the 27 guy on eBay and on blowout and in all the different places that you can find the 27 guy. It's probably me. If you ever, if you ever see the, those, those letters. And then when I went to get on Instagram, I uh, typed in the 27 guy. And unfortunately, there's somebody who, who, has, um, who has no friends, no posts, no connections of any kind on Instagram, but they stole the 27 guy from me. So I then had to come up with something else. I turned to a friend and said, what do you think I should use? And he said, you're the 27 guy. You've just got to make yourself the real 27 guy. So I just, I just decided to do that. And here we are a year, a year uh, two or three years later under the real 27 guy. Similar to my story for the Mike Summer is <laughs> I wanted to make sure that everyone knew it didn't matter who the other Mike Summer is on Twitter. 
I am the Mike Summer on Twitter. You are. You are the, the, Mike, the Mike Summer. <laughs> now, several years ago, you started one of the first, if not the first, basketball card-focused podcast. And last year, you launched the Basketball Card Fanatic magazine. Some might say you like basketball cards. Well, let's start at the beginning. So how, when and how did you start collecting? First card that I, I know that I had in my collection that was a basketball card was a 1987 Magic Johnson uh, Lear card. Not 86, 87, the well-known red, white, and blue border set, but the gray and white border set. And I discovered it um, probably in the early 90s when I was looking back for my old cards. In 1987, when I acquired it, I tried to peel it as if it was a sticker. So, you know, when you're a kid, you, you get cards and you think, I hope that's a sticker. And so you try to peel it. So that was, my, that was my first card. And that's when I first started collecting. The first set that I did was in 1990. My mom would buy packs of, of NBA hoops at, you know, a 7-Eleven or a grocery store. And I remember she'd put like five or six packs in, um, in her glove box. And if I was good at, at a particular outing or or did something well, she would give me a pack of cards. And so I'd get a pack of cards every, uh, you know, every few days. And I just loved it. I remember going to the card shop in 1990. I remember, um, you know, getting into even older stuff, not that long after that. I was buying cards from the 70s in, in 1990 and 1991. And I'd bring them home and my dad would tell me this, the history of these, of these players. It was best if I could find something like a, a uh, Utah Stars ABA card or Utah Jazz uh, 1970s card. My dad would tell me these great stories about these players and things that they were good at and, and things from their lives and stuff. And, and I just, I love that connection with my dad. And, um, and I really never, I really never stopped. I just, I kind of just collected ever since then. When did the podcast come about? The podcast came about um, in 2015. I was listening to the BS report. And I was thinking about how, how awesome it would be if we had something similar for, for cards. And so I had no experience in any of these things at all, but I like got online, went to Google and typed in like, how do you do a podcast? <laughs> and I just basically followed those directions. I was like, okay, I need intro music and I need a way to record it. And I know I'm passionate about this. So hopefully if I have good intro music and I can record and say some, some okay things, people will like it. Um, I do think this, this is going to sound like conceited. I think it was ahead of its time because there weren't any, there, there wasn't anybody else who did a basketball card podcast for a couple of years. Um, and in the beginning I had, you know, 30, 40 people total who would listen to an episode and, and I didn't know how to advertise it. I didn't know how to, I just didn't know how to do, I didn't know how to get anybody to listen. There was no Instagram. There was no, you know, there wasn't a great presence on Twitter or on Facebook, even for cards. And so I just sort of recorded and hoped that people would listen. And, and, and when I got 50, when I got up to 50 or hundred listens, I felt great about that. And then how long did you do it? I know it kind of ebbed and flowed of your frequency and, and how often you were putting out new episodes. How did, how did that flow or that, that process go for you? The original idea was to do one episode a week and I did it pretty well, I think for like, for like the first 15 weeks. But as you know, content creation takes a lot of time and um, you know, you don't usually get to just take as much time to do it as you'd like. Cause we, we all have lives. We've got our, you know, our kids and our families and our jobs and things. And so 
you know, after a period of time, I, I said, I'm going to take a few weeks off and then I'm going to keep at it. But after, you know, a little while, I just, I just couldn't keep up with it anymore. We had, I think we had a new kid at the time. We had, I had a new job and I just felt like it was best to focus on, on other things. But that honestly is one of my great regrets that I stopped doing it because, you know, you look at those who have really like, who, who started doing them around that time and how much those have blown up. I, I knew that I was, you know, really like, I was one of the first people to do a sports card podcast. I was the first to do a basketball card one. And I think the following would have been, would have been better had I just always done it. At what point did the idea for the magazine come up? Um, probably maybe like a year ago, I just sort of like looked around at the landscape of, um, you know, of content creation and you see so many podcasts uh, coming out all the time and there's so many that are great. But the thing that was clear to me is that we were missing like high level written, um, you know, content. There's, there's all sorts of places where you can read things, but they're not all, they're not all great quality. And they're, um, I, I just felt like we were missing the old, the old Beckett of the nineties. I felt like, I loved that era, um, the, the early, really all throughout the whole 90s, Beckett basketball was um, this guide that, uh, that I looked forward to getting every month um, that not, not only for prices, but I loved articles and the hot lists and, um, you know, the, the um, readers write and all of the, the things that they would talk about. I loved it when Beckett would talk about my cards. I loved it when I would read about something that I didn't know about and be able to like sort of have this knowledge store in my mind. I remember reading once about like Wilt Chamberlain autographs. This is in a Beckett from probably like, this was maybe even into the early 2000s and it gave a print run that hadn't been discussed anywhere else. They'd gotten it directly from Upper Deck. And, and, and like, I stored that away in my brain forever. All of those things, um, you know, every month really like became my knowledge base. And then, you know, years later we have blowout and some, and some of the boards that are out there and things, but really most of my knowledge around basketball cards came from, from those, from those Beckett's. And I, and I, and I know that, you know, that Beckett's still out there, but I feel like there, there could be some things about it, um, specifically the written portion that could be stepped up a little bit. And we have so much of this knowledge throughout the community. It sort of just, you know, occurred to me maybe about a year ago, this is something that should exist. There should be a monthly publication that people can really look forward to getting that has um, stuff that they're going to want to read that provides both entertainment and information. That was the goal was to create something like that, that people would really enjoy. And that's what we've tried to do. Over the last several years, you know, there's lots of formats for written content on the web. There's websites, there's blogs, there's email newsletters and that type of thing. And I think maybe you answered it, but I, I found myself wondering, is like, why a magazine when there's these other platforms available to share written content and, and dig in and still meet that need for high quality written content that's focused on basketball cards. So was it really that kind of nostalgic aspect of wanting to kind of replicate or step up or challenge Beckett a little bit on, on having an actual magazine style format? I think that is a big part of it. Um, having something uh, similar to that, that has a normal cadence, you know, regular monthly cadence was really important. 
Um, but you know, I don't, I don't think it's, I don't think it's just that. I think the great thing that we've, I mean, I'll give, I'll give you an example. The last couple of years, we've seen basically the the death of Hobby Kings, right? That that wonderful information store that it was went away, and um, then in the last couple of months, we've seen the death of a lot of the data that existed on the WorthPoint website. Both of those are real tragedies to the to the hobby because the wealth of information that was there, unless it's been stored in some place that I don't really understand, it doesn't exist anymore. And so, although the web provides us with um, with things that a magazine could never dream, right? Like the ability to share immediately. I mean, there's so many things that are wonderful about being able to share things online that are really hindered by creating a mag magazine. The moment that you finalize a magazine, especially in print form, you've created something that won't ever be destroyed in, in, in total. Now it may be lost, people may not be able to access it, but um, it, you know, there, I still have, I have Beckett's from the nineties and I can still reference those. And, um, you know, the, the idea of the magazine, uh, a, a basketball card fanatic is to do that same thing where it can exist forever. Yeah. And, and you just touched on something else that I wanted to ask about. We're about two or three episodes deep now into not just a magazine style publication, but actually a print magazine style publication in this digital world. What went into the thought process for testing out the demand for that, that print style magazine in addition to the, the digital style? Um, I'm just curious about that process of researching where do we even get something like this printed and how do we go about the distribution for all of that? And that pivot from being a digital publication, which can be distributed electronically to now a print publication that has to get actually produced, mailed, all of those types of things. Oh man, it, is, it has been a, a ride and I'm glad that you asked that question. First off though, we do, we're, we're still doing both digital and uh, you know, we're, we're doing digital first and foremost. Um, the idea when we started it was to definitely, de definitely do e email distribution. Um, another thing that's nice about the PDFs uh, distribution, other than, other than just that they will likely live forever somewhere, um, is that, this is being really honest, is that it's chargeable, right? A website's tough because there's a lot of websites that are out there. There's not a lot of people who are printing or who are creating a digital magazine, though, that's like available via PDF, via email. And that comes with another host of problems, but it is chargeable and it's easily chargeable. We've put enough hours into it that it has to be chargeable. It has to make money. It ha it, it's, it's got, we have a long-term view, but it's, um, it's definitely not a not-for-profit thing. I see, um, you know, a lot of other content creators doing the things that they're doing. And, and it, I, I think it's super honorable. And what I would point out is I've done hundreds, if not thousands of, of hours of content creation uh, for free. Um, but at some point, if this is something that I want to do a lot of in my life, it also has to be something that we can, we can make some money on. So, um, so, you know, that, that was the first part, part, but to get to answer your question, we, we had so many people along the way, Mike, who would say, listen, I love your magazine. I love what you're doing. I love the content, but I'm printing it at my house. I'm getting it in my email and I'm like printing it and then reading it directly off the paper. I'm old school. I like this thing. And I was like, you know, like I've always had this thought that we're trying to, you know, do some of the things that the old Beckett did. Like we've got to be able to print this too. 
So we did our research. We found, you know, what ways there were to print and distribute magazines. It isn't cheap, you know, and it makes it so that that profit uh, making that I just talked about is a lot harder because, you know, the the margins on on the magazines are, are, are harder when when you're when you're talking about printing. Um, but but we we tested out issue seven. You know, we sent it to the printer and we sent it to just a few friends of the magazine. And I remember I got this thing in hand. In fact, I've actually got it here. Um, I'm just going to show it to you. So this is this is issue seven, and it's it's 28 pages long. And you can see on the back too. We we printed the back of the Jordan rookie. So the front's the the Jordan rookie. The back is the back of it. And then it's got 26 pages on the inside that are um, you know that are basketball card content. I got it in the mail, and I like I just smiled. Like I just looked at it, and I was like, I love this. Like I love everything. I love everything that we've done with it. I love the cover. I love the logo. The cover, by the way, like I said, it's a card. Every cover is a card. It's a specific card that we want to highlight that month, usually because the person that we're interviewing, in this case, the interview is Nat Turner um, from from issue seven. And, um, you know, and PSA, a PSA 10, Nat Turner had just sold for $700,000. And I wanted to ask him about that. So I asked him about that in the magazine. It became the cover. You know, I got to send it to him and 11 other people. And most of us who got it were like, this is actually like super cool that we have this thing that came in the mail. It's a monthly mail day. It's uh, it's just, it's neat to hold something in your hand rather than view it digitally. Because we, most of us look, are looking at screens every day, but this thing shows up in your mailbox and you get to open it up and rifle through it and mark things up if you want to. and. Um, it just, it just, I don't know. It feels, it feels good to hold something in your hand like that. My first experience with the magazine was um, buying several of the digital issues. And then with issue eight, I was fortunate enough to be able to get a physical copy as well. And yeah, it's neat. It's neat to be able to hold it in, in your hand. You know, typically I would be reading it before, as I'm getting ready for bed, as I'm kind of, you know, getting ready to go to sleep, I'll, I'll read a couple of the articles, spend a, a week or so going through it. And um, yeah, I enjoy reading that, that physical copy as well. And, and, and so it's just uh, such a unique take on a brand new startup magazine to go ahead and run a, a physical copy too, and give that a shot. And so um, I applaud you for, for that effort. And I think that if people check it out, they're going to enjoy it as well. We'll go ahead and end part one there, and I'll be back after this quick break to wrap things up. MoCo is your small-town local shop with a global reach. Conveniently located in New Buffalo, Michigan. We're an easy drive for most residents in Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, and Ohio. Come see us every Tuesday through Saturday from 10 to 5 and Sundays from 12 to 5. Want to shop from the comfort of your home? Give us a call at 269-469-0140 or visit our website at thesportscardshopatmoco.com or our Facebook page. Major credit cards and PayPal accepted and we ship anywhere in the world. We're an authorized dealer for both Panini and Tops, with new sealed wax from both arriving weekly. And yes, we have PSA and SGC graded cards and over a quarter of a million singles in stock. Be sure to follow us and turn on notifications for posts to Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter so you don't miss out on new arrivals. The Goatcher family has been serving this community for over a decade. So stop by or visit us at the sportscardshop at moco.com. 
All right, I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit about Adam's background in the hobby, his background as a content creator, and what all has gone into starting this magazine, The Basketball Card Fanatic. I definitely encourage you to check it out. Reach out to him. He's got Typically, he's got some deals available for people who want to check out the magazine. I will have the links to his social media profiles in the show notes as well as the email address that you can reach out to him if you want to check out the magazine for yourself and I definitely encourage you to come on back next week where we spend a little bit of time talking about how to balance the hobby and family and job and other types of commitments and we also get into the hobby's current infatuation with grading as well as why many people especially those newer to the hobby seem to be giving a free pass to Probstein and PWCC. And we talk a little bit about the checks and balances and how to think about that, how to hold people accountable, but at the same time, keep things in the proper perspective. I think you'll really enjoy that part of the conversation. Well, that's all I've got for you today. So I'll catch you next time.